Thanks for tuning in to MANA, a short daily meditation to feed hungry souls with God's Word. These episodes were prepared by ordained ministers for a radio broadcast called Voice of the Church and are now republished by the Reformed Perspective Foundation, a Canadian charity that applies biblical truth to the issues of our time. Here's today's serving. Good day, listeners. Welcome to today's broadcast. Today we want to devote our attention to the first psalm which the Spirit of God has revealed and preserved in the book of Psalms. There the Holy Spirit reveals the only two ways in life, the way of the righteous and the way of the wicked, righteous and wicked. Those names are not just convenient labels. They expose the attitude of one's heart. What kind of people are these righteous ones? Are they flawless in character? Are they impeccable in conduct? The pious who do no wrong? No, they are normal people, like you and me, with sins and shortcomings, faults and errors, wrongful desires and evil inclinations. Nevertheless, they are people who strive to lead their lives in accordance with God's will. They do not live in order to impress God or others. They fight against sin. In deep shame and sorrow, they acknowledge and confess their sins before God. They find their greatest joy in the atoning blood poured out in the temple and, after the temple curtain was torn, in the blood poured out on Golgotha. In short, they seek and they find their salvation in Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, and out of sheer thankfulness for that gracious salvation, They walk in the paths of the Lord. Before he gets to their delight in God's law, the psalmist describes the righteous first by contrast. He tells us what this man does not do. He does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. He does not stand in the way of sinners. He does not sit in the seat of scoffers. The great divide between a church member who obeys... And a church member who rebels is their attitude towards the Word of God. Do they believe it and delight in it, or do they reject it and find it tedious? The righteous do not avoid the counsel of the wicked, the way of sinners, and the seat of scoffers only because God's law forbids it. Sure, they shun them for that reason, but that would make their obedience something external, something forced upon them. I'm doing this because God told me to, period. Instead, it is a matter of the heart, and that comes out in verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. When was the last time, dear listeners, that you meditated, not even day and night, but at all, on God's word? We stew and mull over a lot of things. Our jobs, our finances, the kids, their education. We can be totally absorbed in these things. But what about God's Word? Do you ever reflect, ponder, ruminate on the Scriptures? Day and night, that doesn't mean that such a person neglects all the other duties God has given him and strictly devotes himself to contemplating God and His Word. No, the expression day and night simply conveys the idea of dedication and constancy. There is no moment 
in which the righteous are finished with their meditation of the law. They are lifelong students, excited by what they read, thoroughly enjoying their diligent study of God's Word. It is inconceivable for one who enjoys God's law to act as the wicked, the sinners, and the scoffers. Why? Because the law is the revelation of all that is godly, holy, and praiseworthy. In good times and bad, the righteous think caressingly of it. He speaks of it with adoration. He finds it repeatedly on his lips and always with devotion. It is his life. We must avoid one great mistake, thinking that casual, sporadic attention to the Word of God is all that is required. Not so. Our text emphasizes the necessity of constant, careful, meticulous concentration on that word. Do these verses about the righteous accurately describe your life? Is God's word your delight? If so, then congratulations, blessed are you. You belong to those who feel here and now already the beginning of eternal joy in their heart. The wicked, the sinners, the scoffers, we may not be able to detect them, but the Lord sees through any charade to the heart. People can deceive themselves. They can lead their minister or elder down the garden path, but God cannot be fooled. He knows what is our highest delight and our deepest joy. How we live has consequences here on this earth. One of the ground rules of God's covenant is, If you obey me, I will bless you. If you rebel against me, I will curse you. And that is depicted in this psalm as well. He who delights in the law of the Lord, says the psalmist, is like a tree planted by streams of water. This imagery spoke readily to people who lived in the ancient Near East. Think of the Palestinian landscape with its desert-like areas. If a tree were planted in one of them, it would not last long. The burning sun would soon leave the soil cracked, the roots would find not a drop of moisture, the leaves would start to shrivel up, any fruit that was already on the tree would harden and fall off prematurely, and before long the tree would be a stark symbol of death. Now take a tree that is planted beside a stream that never runs dry. Its roots spread out in every direction, deep into the earth, never at a loss for drawing up water. Despite the scorching sun, the leaves stay green and healthy, and the fruit ripens in its season. Well, that's the image of the righteous in their daily life. They are planted beside the river of God's delight. Their life is rooted in communion with Him. They thrive not on anything in themselves, but on the fountain of life, on Christ Jesus who says, I am the living water. No matter how hotly the sun of persecution, of enmity, of hatred may burn, the righteous remain standing through it all, like a vibrant tree, for he draws his strength and his life from the book of God's eternal grace. No matter how adverse the circumstances, he continues bearing fruit, the fruits of righteousness and holiness and peace, to the glory of God the Father. Verse 3 contains the sentence, 
In all that he does, the righteous prospers. Perhaps you thought there that the author is getting carried away in the momentum of his glowing description about the righteous. In all that he does, he prospers? That can't be true, can it? Yes, it is true. For the simple reason that you find it stated in the word of truth. But, you say, does not history and experience prove otherwise? Do we not often see the righteous struggling, enduring setbacks and hardships? Yes, it may appear that way, but it is not so. We, with our sinful and limited knowledge, may shake our head and say, What an unsuccessful life that person has had! Everything he did was a failure! But the Spirit of God says, The righteous do not have any failures. How can we accept and understand this? Only through faith. For everything that God's children do in faith, that means in fellowship with, and in obedience to the Lord, cannot be in vain. We don't always see the fruits of our work of faith, but that doesn't mean they are non-existent. The Lord will take care that they endure. It is that knowledge which stimulates us to continue working in faith for the furtherance of God's kingdom. The final day will disclose the man of straw as surely as the works of straw. And the psalmist deals with that in the last two verses. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. The way of the wicked will perish. Do not skim over the warning in those words, dear listeners. The path of sinners leads to death, to the bottomless pit. How terrible! Particularly for covenant people who have heard the warning over and over again, for example, through this broadcast. In contrast to that, hear the joyful news about the faithful. The Lord knows the way of the righteous. He knows their path, their way. Our life in Scripture is often compared to a path. Why? Because a path leads from point A to point B. A path doesn't have any purpose in itself. It doesn't help to stand on it or lay down on it. You have to follow it. And here we are given the comforting message that the Lord knows our path. What does that mean? That he is aware of all the variables, the twists and turns, the dips and holes from beginning to end? No. The biblical verb to know is much richer than that. Knowing is not merely a matter of the head. It contains elements of closeness and intimacy. God is with us on our path. And what significance that has since the birth of God's only begotten Son. He is Emmanuel, God with us. He is our ground, our heaven, our atmosphere. We walk in Him, for He is the way. In and with Christ, God is guiding us step by step until we all appear in Zion's courts, God's holy dwelling. We do not sing this psalm in the first place because we can identify with the righteous or because our emotions are being expressed. Just think about it. Would it not be the height of creaturely arrogance to come into God's presence and sing about ourselves? Christ 
He is the content of this psalm. He is the righteous one who did not walk in the counsel of the wicked, who did not stand in the way of sinners, who did not sit in the seat of scoffers, but who delighted in the law of the Lord. But because he bore your sins and mine, the Father treated him like chaff. He condemned him through Pontius Pilate for our sins, so that we might stand in the judgment, so that we might forever remain living members of the congregation of the righteous. Because of his obedience, he has been rewarded with the highest position of authority and power at God's right hand. Christ is the one who will return to judge the living and the dead. And on that great day, he will administer the final fulfillment of Psalm 1. He will cast the wicked into everlasting perdition, but will take all the faithful into eternal salvation. Blessed indeed are the men, the women, the boys, the girls who put their trust in Him. Thank you for listening. Till next time.